Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 31 and we're with Cindy Tomlinson and she is going to give us all the best tips and tricks on how to squeeze as much juice out of our Amazon business as we can. Is that a good analogy, Cindy? Welcome. That's a great analogy. Yeah. We want to talk about profit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, uh, to, to, uh, hear all about this. Um, uh, I have, your book is on, so I have, uh, Amy turned me on described, which is like a reading app. Um, I also have audible, like I have like, you know, a thousand credits, <laughs> crazy amount of credits on audible. I'm always listening to listening and reading and your book is on my list. I haven't completely read through it. I've skimmed through it and there's some really great stuff in there. So I'm excited to, to dig into it. Um, Thank you. yeah, that being said, um, we're just gonna, let, let's get to know you a little bit and, uh, kind of introduce our audience to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, share, like I said, as little or as much as you like where you, where you're born, where you live now, you know, jobs in the past, college, school, um, kind of anything you want to share uh, about, uh, about who Cindy is. Okay. Well, um, from North Carolina originally went to school at North Carolina state. I'm a Wolfpack grad. Uh, economics was my major worked in the North Carolina, uh, research triangle park for, uh, 15 years ago in corporate uh, job where I was doing uh, all kinds of things that related to um, administration, accounting, contracting, government contracting, HR, etc. Installed three different accounting systems for that business. Then I decided to be a stay-at-home mom and uh, we moved to the Midwest for my husband's career and uh, have a, a daughter that's now 20. And probably about when she was eight or nine years old, a friend that did some help with their uh, business and I got back into the work world. But I needed the flexibility to be able to uh, be with my daughter and do all the mom stuff. So at that point in time, I uh, helped my foot decided that this whole cloud accounting thing was going to be up and coming. And that's what I wanted to, um, to create my business around. So did that around uh, 2012, rebranded in 2015 to just solely focus on, and also met Mike McCallowitz at that point in time at a QuickBooks conference. And I knew my clients were struggling with cash flow, And so when I had the chance to meet him, I decided, okay, I'm going to really, I'm, this is it. This is how I'm going to, I'm going to focus my business because I knew that if I didn't get my clients profitable, they weren't going to continue to be my clients. So, so anyway, that, uh, been in the Midwest ever since working with clients all over the world. And I love that opportunity. I love the opportunity to work Amazon seller since about 2015. And I started to specialize. I realized that the, uh, a client that came to me just by chance was an Amazon seller and that we had a lot in common. I needed to create my business to be really flexible and she did too. And I realized that was a whole network of people out there that had kind of a similar mindset for how I'm going to do business in this, in this world. So Bookskeep has been around since 2015. We're celebrating a birthday um, later this year and um, I'm super excited to, to, to join you guys and talk about. Awesome. Yeah. So, 
Um, you sort of uh, an- answered my, my next questions. So, um, you know, when did you first uh, learn about uh, Amazon and where, you know, that there was a big need there um, in terms of, um, you know, uh, a, a hole to fill in with, uh, you know, profit and uh, the operations and, uh, you know, the financial side of Amazon? Well, it kind of came gradually. When I met Mike, one of the first things, Mike Mallowitz's original book, Profit First, um, that I think his book was making groups, communities, that uh, Amazon communities. And so this one woman who was somewhat local to me reached out to me and we worked and got her books in order. And then she put my name out there in her community and I started to get a number of people through that um, referral from her. Unfortunately, what I figured out was a lot more struggling. And, uh, they didn't really understand the finances and got them put together. I, I had really bad news for them to say, hey, this business is really, um, you're sinking here. We need to get on top of it. So through working through with clients who are working through a cash flow issue, we started to um, to understand that that there was more to than just getting the books in order. People really needed help to to get profit uh, back in their business. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, on that on that note, uh, what are some of the the biggest roadblocks for Amazon sellers when it comes to uh, profitability? Um, do you see kind of the same thing over and over again? It seems like in our business, uh, when we you know we do like PPC management things like that for Amazon sellers, we tend to see the same kind of issues over and over again. Do you have uh, you know any uh, you know anything like that where you know you're seeing the same type of issues over and over again? Yeah, it, it, it typically centers around uh, inventory and the need to have capital to buy inventory and um, and what can be a driver for that is not really getting enough um, margin out of what they're selling to be able to fund that cycle of inventory. And when, when folks are not able to buy the um, inventory, with cash on hand, they're having to rely on debt. And as soon as you start relying on debt, then money is sucked out of the business, another thing called interest. And it, then less money is available to buy the next round of inventory. And it's, a, it's just a bad cycle that we have to break to be able to get people um, back on the, the positive side of the uh, P&L. Right. So um, on, uh, on that note, uh, so what, what kind of things do you help people, um, you know, so in, instead of taking on that debt, what are some other options? What are, what are you showing uh, sellers, you know, what to do in order to, uh, to not have to take on that debt? Well, first of all, we look at it kind of and we help people understand that their profit and loss, which really is a useful instrument in running their business, um, it doesn't tell them the whole story. They need to understand their balance sheet and they all have to understand how cash flows through the business because there's a lot of businesses that were profitable that had to close their doors because they didn't have cash on hand to be able to continue. So we, we, we work to help people understand the difference between profit and actual uh, cash in your business. Then we dive into where is where is cash leaking out of the business? Is it because you're selling products at a price that's not getting you margin or, or maybe you sourced it or bought it at a 
um, uh, a cost to you that's too high for you to then be able to sell. Um, I, I'm getting an unstable internet connection. So are you hearing me better now? Or is it still choppy? All right, Cindy, so we were talking about some of the biggest roadblocks for Amazon sellers to get uh, profit profitability. Um, we were talking inventory and uh, taking on debt, things like that. Any any other tips or uh, things that you see over and over again that, um, you know, if, if Amazon sellers can, can or e-commerce sellers in general can, can uh, you know, take different tactics uh, to put them on a better course to profitability? Yeah, there, there's several things. Uh, one is really understanding cash flow. And one way to do that is to separate out your inventory buying cash flow from your um, operational expenses. Because those things have two really different patterns, uh, depending on whether you're retail arbitrage or, or wholesale or um, maybe private label, your cycle of how cash flows around inventory, it can be real sporadic. But operating expenses are pretty consistent. Every month you're going to pay typically for your warehouse or your employees or your insurance or your accounting firm. So, so those things have a really different flow. So we like for our clients to really understand those things, dig in, figure out where they can um, reduce expenses that they don't need. If they're not getting the margin that they should be getting from a, um, a gross margin from you know, they're either they're selling it too cheaply or they're perhaps uh, buying it at a, a cost that's too high. We, we like to evaluate that. Every product needs to be considered and understood and, and really dial in. Are you getting the profit that you, that you need to to operate your business? So those are kind of some, some um, different ways that we go out of it, but, but the overall approach really uh, comes from the profit first methodology of creating multiple bank accounts for specific purposes. So one of the, um, one of the things that's really great about profit first is that it works with our human behavior. And um, while many in finance, the nice thing about profit first is it works with how you are able to make decisions um, in your business with the financial information that you have, which is your bank balance and what, what's showing up on your bank account. Okay, uh, awesome, Cindy. So what are uh, some of the things uh, that, uh, that Amazon sellers or e-commerce sellers should have in place to have success on Amazon? Any like processes, any kind of, uh, if you could give like, you know, uh, you know three to five things uh, that every Amazon seller should be doing in order to get that, that you know, profit first mentality. Um, you know, can you give us give us some tips there? Sure. The first thing I would say is uh, have multiple bank accounts for specific purpose. Um, the reason that works is because of a law called Parkinson's law. Um, Parkinson was a uh, economist, a British naval historian from the uh, 1950s, and he, through understanding why when the British Navy got more money, they suddenly had more people um, use up all of that money. He studied that and he figured out Parkinson's law, which basically says you use what you got. And so uh, if we think about that in terms of um, resources like our time or uh, 
our, our cash on hand, our, our financials, if we think about we use what we got, um, it, it makes sense that if all of our money is all in one big bank account and say we see that bank account growing over time, we may start to believe that there's more money available there than really is especially when you understand that your operations have a monthly cash flow and your inventory may have a longer period of cash flow. For example, if you're buying private label, you may pay 30% up front and then, you know, your product won't be put on a boat for two months, 60 days. Then you've got to come up with 70% to pay at that point in time. Uh, that's a really different uh, flow of money through your business. So designating, money uh, being in a bank account for inventory is separate and monitored in a different way than money that will be in your operations account. And we also recommend that clients and fourth quarter is the, is a great time to do this, set up a savings account for profit. And once you get your income in from your, your payout from Amazon or, or wherever you're, you're selling, once you get the, the, that, um, deposit made in your account, look at it and determine what percentage you need to fund things that you've already bought. So maybe you've already, um, you, you, you've sold $10,000 worth of goods on uh, Amazon. That's, you, you've got $10,000 in your hand. Maybe those goods cost you $5,000. Put that $5,000 over in an inventory bank account to use to replenish inventory going forward. Then the rest of that money, you can take 1% of it, put it in a profit account, and immediately you're setting yourself up to be profitable. The remainder of it can stay in your operations account and you use that to actually um, run your business and uh, pay for your warehouse and, and the things that happen on a monthly basis, like insurance, payroll, et cetera. And, Cindy, and just by separating those, you get a clear picture. Yeah. Cindy, and you mentioned early on that, um, you know, a lot of sellers get into trouble where they just don't have enough margin to be profitable. Um, what would you suggest? I'm, I'm always talking to sellers that are kind of stuck in this position where, you know, they're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul um, at, with after advertising costs and, you know, some of those learning expenses, as we call them. Um, what would you suggest if... Uh, the somebody has that money, right? That they, they get their Amazon pay. And what you're suggesting is that they put them into different accounts, right? Your book mentions four different accounts where they're putting profits into one account and, you know, operating expenses into another. Then they have their 1%, which is the profit account. But what would you suggest if at the end, after their Amazon payment, they don't have enough to buy more inventory or pay for their operating expenses? Um, is there a good way out of that, is there a good way to recover and uh, continue moving forward in their business? That's, that's a great question. And um, it, it's a challenge that I see a lot of people face. Um, if your business model is creating the situation you just described, then, then you don't have a viable business model. Now that doesn't mean fold up shop and say, oh, you know, I failed, I'm done. But it means you gotta really dig in to understand what you can do to either reduce your cost of your product, or perhaps there's a way that you can reduce fees somehow. 
um, or is there a way that you can um, increase the the price and those, I mean, those are the, the levers that you have to pull and you have to really look at them. And where I see clients um, make mistakes sometimes is that they're looking at those big numbers and think it, this isn't workable, but you have to dig into the details. You have to understand that, okay, maybe I've got 200 SKUs that I'm selling not all of them are necessarily bad. Some of them are good and others are not, um, not performing. So you, you really want to look at, um, look at those details. And I, I suggest people pick out the top um, 20% of where their money is coming from and decide from that top 20%, um, are you making money on those? Are, I mean, yeah, you may have a lot of income coming in, but are you really profitable? Whereas, you know, you may have the bottom 20%, you don't sell as much, there's not as much moving, but the reality is um, you're very profitable on those accounts. So you just have to, you have to look at where, where you are profitable, and be really ruthless in those things where you're not. And that's another trap I see people fall into is they fall in love with their product. And the product is just a means to an end. Um, you know, it may have been your first product, you may have worked really hard, but it may be at the end of its life cycle and you have to know, okay, for me to continue in business, it's time to cut. As they say, the devil's in the details. You have to dig down into the details to really understand where you should be investing in inventory versus um, where you should cut your losses and get out. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that once again segues perfectly into my next question, which is um, what kind of tools, um, I, I know that you know when clients hire you on, they, they're, they're probably passing that off to you, but, um, you know, if somebody's not at that stage yet, you know, what tools are you using, um, to track all this data? Cause I know when we first started, uh, we were horrible. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't know what was making money, what was losing money, not, you know, even not even on a product level. Now there's all kinds of tools out there that will even tell you down to the product level, what's making money, what's not making money. Um, you know, where your budget, you know, where your money's going, you know, whether it's like taxes, advertising, et cetera, et cetera. Any, uh, any tips on what tools you use? I, I assume you probably use Quicken. That seems to be kind of the industry standard. Um, any well, other we, tools? We actually uh, use QuickBooks Online and um, Xero are the two accounting packages that we use. QuickBooks, now, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quicken's a product that for more personal. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. So those are, those are the two main accounting um, software that we work with, but there's a, a whole host of tools that our clients use that give them kind of um, simulated uh, profit and loss reports. And those can be really helpful. I just caution people when they're using it to make sure they're validating it against their software, their accounting software. Um, a common problem that we see is, as I start to work with clients, they'll say, Oh, my gross margin 69% or some great number. And I'm like, that is awesome. What are you doing? Right. You know? And then as we actually do their books, we realize that they're not getting all of their cost into that system. And as a result, 
their numbers look a lot better than they look when you look at your accounting software. And the reason I always stand behind my accounting software is we reconcile that to an external document like a bank statement or a credit card statement. So we know that we've got everything. Whereas if you can just plug in a number for, okay, telephone was, you know, $75 and I'm just going to plug that in. That may have been right three years ago when you started your business, but if you haven't updated it in, you know, three years, I'm sure the telephone companies had a few increases and now you're probably up to $90. And so you, it's just, it's hard to stay on top of all those costs. And so um, one way to know whether you're actually in sync or not is to compare it against uh, accounting software. Now, there's a couple of things that we also like for our clients to use. Um, A2X software is one that we recommend. It integrates with both Xero and QuickBooks Online, and it'll take all of the um, stuff that's going on at Amazon and we map it over to the accounting software so we can automate the um, uh, uh, deposits that come in and it also will automate the cost of goods sold feature as well so we can book cost of goods sold really easily with that software and avoid human error because it just pulls that stuff over automatically so those are some tools that that we we really like a lot great fantastic so uh cindy should uh, i know you kind of you mentioned uh you know having separate bank accounts is kind of a, a one of the processes that you try to get uh, clients to put into place uh, in order to uh you know get a get a good handle on um on what kind of profit you're actually making any other uh, examples that you can give us of, of some systems that you uh, you, you help your clients uh, put into place to uh, ensure that they're, uh, you know, being profitable? Well, the, the bank accounts are where it starts. And we start with a few basic accounts. And I like to start off that way, rather than uh, putting a whole lot of accounts out there that there's a whole lot of moving parts. So I like to start with a few bank accounts, but then over time, we add to them. Um, we add things like, um, um, maybe a marketing account for advertising. Maybe there's an account we do for shipping. Um, I've got one client, he's up to 23 bank accounts, but he can tell you what percentage goes to each one of those things in his business. So it's almost like he creates his budget by create, using these bank accounts. And the neat thing about it is he can log on and look at his um, uh, online banking and see the balances. And he knows when his next payout is due or when he's, going to have to place an inventory order. He's got, he's got all his financial data just right there. He doesn't have to wait to get financial statements that are, you know, sometimes six weeks old till we can get them out to him. I mean, we always uh, get our client statements out within two weeks, but we're looking back at the data that was from the prior month. So looking at your bank, um, Looking at your bank balance is something that we all do, and that's why Profit First works so well, is because if we structure it right, you can just look at that bank balance. Um, some other tools that we use, uh, just doing 13-week cash planning. So um, in the situation that, that Amy was describing about um, how do you know if you've got a viable business if, if, you, um, if you can't seem to afford everything? Well, looking at what the cash uh, income and outgo is going to be over a, 
a quarter or 13 weeks and looking at it week by week, we can start to understand where the where money is leaking out of the business and what we can do to um, to plug those holes and, and beef up the system for our clients. Awesome. A lot of great points there. Um, how much profit uh, should a business be reinvesting into the business? So in other words, I know you talked about, uh, you know, separating out 1%. Um, but for, in my case, I know, <laughs> you know, uh, Amazon is one of our main sources of income. Uh, so, you know, our, our owner draws quite a bit higher than that. Um, how, I know that people just starting out, you know, it's probably a lot lower because you should be investing a lot more into the business to grow it. Uh, can you give, give me an idea of kind of what you suggest uh, in the different life cycles of the business on, you know, how much profit should be uh, reinvested into the business? Well, we look at it from the standpoint of what we call real revenue. So when you make a sale uh, or, or you get your deposit from Amazon, the money that comes to you is kind of the top line sales, less whatever fees they've taken out. To get to real revenue, then we would take out the, co the product cost and maybe you've had shipping and, and maybe some prep center work. Whatever, whatever you get down to after those costs have been removed, that's the real revenue in your business. And um, Mike did a lot of research when he wrote Profit First originally to come up with what those percentages ought to be. And through the thousands of businesses that he um, interviewed, he figured out, okay, who is really operating and is successful and what percentages should they be taking out for um, owner pay, for taxes, for profit, and then what should their OPEX look like? So in the book, um, we've got a, a chart, and um, my video is off, so I can't show it to you, but um, zero to 250,000 in real revenue. Again, that's after your product and your fees and all have been deducted. You should be putting about 5% in profit, and you should be paying yourself about 50% of, of that real revenue. The government should be getting about 15% and you should be able to operate your business on about 30% of uh, what you have left of that real revenue. So that's a benchmark guideline. It really isn't about life cycle of the business. It's about where, where you are in terms of dollars that you uh, can actually apply to running your business. Take, you know, you've taken out the, the cost of your product and your fees, et cetera. What's left? This is how you can divvy up that money. And so it varies. So he's got like uh, six different categories depending on size. And basically what happens, the bigger the business, the more you're going to set aside into profit and the less you're going to take out in owner draws or owner pay. Because what happens is your relationship with your business changes. And this starts to get to your life cycle question a little bit. As your, um, as your business matures and gets larger, you are going to be spending more time working on the business or are not as involved in the day-to-day -day of the business. So your owner pay is going to go down, but your profit is going to go up. And so that relationship changes the bigger your business gets. And typically that's also with the age of the business. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.